This is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. I'm Graham Shelby. I work in the mayor's office. Today, a conversation between Mayor Fisher and Raul Cunningham. Raul joined the fight for civil rights when he was a teenager, and he tells the story of protests he participated in when he was still a student at Mayo High School in the 1950s. Raul has worked in politics and activism his entire career. He served in both Washington and Frankfurt. Today, he is the president of the Louisville branch and the state conference of the NAACP. Raul, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You're such an incredible part of our history, but also our future. So thanks for being with us here today. Tell me, uh, was there an incident or moment that drew you into the civil rights movement? I think the Birmingham... I'm sorry, the, Montgomery, the demonstrations for buses in um, Montgomery pricked my interest. And then in 1960, you had the start of the sit-in movement in Greensboro, North Carolina, in which the college students who were not served started sitting in. That drew my attention because we were facing the same problems in Louisville with segregation. But there was no college or black institution. And we as high school students were meeting and we thought, well, we could do it. Mm, Interesting. And how, how fast was the news flowing? Were you reading about it in the paper the next day or was it a week later? Paper next day and TV. Mm-hmm. TV was beginning to cover the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. at least national TV was. And therefore, you got the news, you saw it. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was NBC did a program based on Nashville and the city movement there. And Nashville had four African-American schools, and the college students mm-hmm. demonstrated. Mm-hmm. And we thought we could, too. And so most of the media almost was, you know, controlled by uh, white America at that time. Do you recall how the news came across? Was it pretty uh, factual? Was it slanted in one way or another? It was very factual. And it was also very shocking to see uh, for the entire community to see people being arrested with a peaceful demonstration. And that was what the Nashville story was. And later on, you had the dog attacks in Birmingham and the beatings. And TV was able to cover it. And then so we had, obviously, black America's attention. Uh, Tell us locally here on, you know, white Louisville. How, How did white Louisville respond to that? Unfortunately, not very well. In 1959, on Christmas Day, you had the Brown Theater showing Porgy and Bess, which is an all-African-American movie. They had advertised tickets were by mail. The U Council decided that we would try to get tickets. But we knew we could not use our addresses in the West End. Mm -hmm. So First Unitarian Church allowed us to use their address to have the tickets sent. We showed up, we were denied. Now they did not arrest us. Mm -hmm. And then in 61 was when you had Greensboro 
and you had the other movements. And that was when we decided in the Youth Council that we could do it. NAACP Youth Council and CORE came together because we were all in school together and had grown, grown up together. Mm-hmm. We came together and decided we would march. Now, the adults were not necessarily in favor of our marching at that time. They just did, they were unsure. And they did not think, or were, they were unsure if we as high school students could do it. Plus, they were, there was also concern of what would happen to our future if we had an arrest record. Well, we decided to go, and Reverend Hodge was president of the adult branch then, and he said, just wait. Well, we didn't wait. We went that, after, we went that afternoon after school. We were all active in the YMCA program. So the students from Mayo, Central, Shawnee, and the Fifth Manual met at the Chestnut Street YMCA, marched from 10th and Chestnut to 4th and Chestnut. Now you marched with us when we celebrated the 50th right. year. Right. Uh, we marched there, and we were arrested. That first day, there were 18 of us at Stewart's. The old department store. Oh, the old department store downstairs. We shut Stewart's down over the weekend, but our parents knew and they warned us and questioned if we were prepared to go to jail and get arrested. Our answer was yes. Ben Shobe, his daughter was with us, had said, well, if y'all get arrested, I'll be there. So we went down, got arrested. The first day, there were five of us arrested. The next time we went, there were about 70 of us. The next day, about 150. And we grew to as many as 300 students downtown Louisville. Now, remember, at that time, 4th Street was the hub. And that's where all your theaters were, your movie theaters, your restaurants. So it was easy to go down and shut 4th Street down. Well, and there's some irony in that. You know, Thomas Merton had his epiphany right there mm-hmm. at 4th and Walnut. Now Muhammad Ali, Muhammad, yes. in his vision of everyone being interconnected, yes. interdependent. Yes. And here you all are calling the question uh, just a few years later. It was a trying experience, but I think we all learned so much. Not only while we were demonstrating, let's not forget the importance of the role of the adults because they were registering people to vote. Whitford Porter and the adults had a massive voter registration drive. Now, also, if you recall, the Democratic Board of Aldermen had refused to pass a public accommodations ordinance. The mayor, not the mayor, the president of the Board of Aldermen was the principal of Mayo High School, who threatened all of us who participated in the demonstrations. We registered and we voted in mass. And for the first time, 
the Democratic Party, who, which had been in power for 28 years, was thrown out. Mayor Calga, who was somewhat tepulent on the public accommodations ordinance, but he was elected. And in 1963, Louisville became the city that passed the public accommodations ordinance that ended segregation. And it was the first one in the South. Right. Must have been so exciting. Did, did, how did you feel at the time? Paint a, paint a picture for me. Where were you when you heard that? And When the bill passed, I was in school, away at college. But my mother called on the phone. And we were just, we started calling each other. Yeah. And it was a moment of excitement, but it was also a moment of pride that, hey, it took two years, but we won it. And I think importantly for me, I learned a lesson. Activism, politics can go hand in hand. And you've got to vote. Activism, purpose, process, action. Yes. Leads to results. It does. And what, what did you... What did you think you were fighting for? At that time, well, we were fighting. It was more than to eat a hamburger at Kresge's. It was for dignity. Because if you went in a five and dime store, you could order, but you had to stand to eat. You couldn't sit. And my family just had a policy mother said, we're not going to pay and stand. If they can't sit, seat us. We also, at that time, you couldn't, African Americans could not try on clothes except at a few downtown stores. Bix, Loving Hearts, Levi's, and Loving Hearts for men. You couldn't. And we just didn't shop there. Because in order to buy a pair of shoes, they'd have to take the butcher, butcher that white paper Mm -hmm. and trace your foot Mm -hmm. well if you had high arches you were in trouble Mm -hmm. you couldn't take it back gloves you couldn't try them on or if you purchased them you could not take them back and return them if they didn't fit so these were just one of the thousands of practices or policies or laws in place to make sure people understood where they fit in social order But you know what was interesting? We found out that Louisville did not have a segregation law. It was by custom. The police enforced that custom when they arrested us, but there was no law. You mentioned Mayor Calgar as a political leader. Were there non-political leaders in the white community that became allies? Oh, yes. Henry Wallace. Mary Helen Carla's, Bick, Carla's father, father. Right. Mary Helen Bick, yeah. of the department store. Of the department store, her hu- she and her husband both were very active. Uh, Katie Kerr was active. Anne Braden was an ally, although the adults would not let Carl or Anne participate with us in the demonstrations. 
Hmm. And why was that? And that was because of the fear. At that time, they were calling Martin Luther King a communist. And that was the fear that because Ann and Carl had been tried, mm-hmm. that the adults really did not want the smear of being a communist at that time to affect the students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I lived around the corner from Ann. I could go in her house. I mean, they couldn't tell me I couldn't go into the woman's house if I wanted to, and and I did. But it was the uncertainty of what was going to happen to the students who participated in the movement. Mm-hmm. So parents were unsure. I guess they were probably proud and unsure at the same time. Oh, they were. Parents, they would support us. They when if we got arrested, boom, they were on the spot, as well as other adults. You knew, like we were going to graduate. My grades dropped tremendously, as I said. Mr. Milburn dropped our dropped our grades. Mm. We lost scholarships through no nothing in the classroom. We were doing the classwork. We might be late because if we were in jail, we had to mm-hmm. get out. But it wasn't due to, he called a meeting and said that grades should be dropped. And we knew that. Well, the education you were getting about life at that time was a little more than in school, wasn't it? It, it certainly was because it sort of shaped. Yeah. Uh, it's really remarkable that when we graduated, I was determined I was not going to an integrated school. I wasn't a racist, but I did the problems we had had in Mayo. I was not about to go to, say, Hanover mm-hmm. and subject myself to be six, 100 miles from home in the woods someplace and get treated like that. I felt safe at a historical black school. When, talk a little bit about uh, you know five students arrested the first time, 70, 300. What was it like? How did the police interact with you? What was the action? What were the noises going on? Uh, was there violence associated with that, with that? There was no violence on the part of the police. They were stern. I felt really sorry for the African-American police who came and said, I got to arrest you. And they did. But they would also send some money to help us. (laughs) The police, Henry Triplett was the juvenile judge we were released to our parents. Now, it was, I was back in president of the NAACP as an adult when Henry Triplett and I became friends. Mm. We talked about it and we discussed it. As a matter of fact, he introduced me to Tracy K. Meyer. And it was a great discussion. 
he didn't want to do but the political machine at that time. Now, we didn't serve real hard time. We were released to our parents, and then later all the cases were dismissed. So justice prevailed in some sense. It did. It did. Is there one demonstration that sticks out to you? Probably there would be a couple. But the first one, Porg and Bess, we gathered and went. We knew we were not going to be admitted, but we already had our signs. But as a tradition in those days, I got some new shoes. And as I put them on, my mother looked at me. She said, are you sure you want to wear those new shoes on the picket line? Well, why not? A couple hours later, she was going to my aunt. My family was gathering, and I knew she had to come. She was going to come by there and look anyway. And I went to the phone booth for the younger people. We had them then and called and said, would you please bring me my old shoes? (laughs) Lesson learned. If you look I looked at the pictures from the March on Washington, fully dressed. Although I had on some old shoes. I learned that lesson. And it was also a day that most young people, we didn't think, would give up Christmas Day. Our families dropped us off, and encouraged us. But I found out later that they were over behind the library, and they would walk on the other side looking at us and checking on us. Mm -hmm. Who were the unsung heroes locally of the civil rights movement? Oh, I think all of the students. I think the adults who participated in voter registration, the ministers were definitely very supportive. Churches took up money to help. The the attorneys, I think the Mary Helen Biggs, the Henry Wallaces, are all unsung heroes. And I think our teachers that played such an important role of instilling in us we could do it we could succeed but also instilling in us that we need to be responsible and we need to be responsible not only for our actions but other actions also and so here we are February 2018 Uh, as you look back and Here we are looking forward. What do you think the greatest challenge for civil rights is today? The greatest challenge, I think, will be one, civic engagement. Demonstrations are tactics. They they serve to publicize an issue, but it's the actual vote and the actual voting for the candidates and holding candidates 
accountable. The issues we never thought that we would have with Brown versus Board of Education, I never anticipated that that would be an issue with achievement gaps. It's there. But we must elect people or individuals who will purposely try to alleviate the gaps and remove discrimination. As you look ahead now, Rao, what gives you the most hope for the future? I think the elections in Virginia and Alabama gives, I will go to the national board meeting this month, and we will come up with a plan of civic engagement, voter registration. I think that that becomes a key to future progress. Ralph Cunningham, Louisville hero, fighter for justice your entire life. I appreciate you. Oh, thanks for having me. Not a hero, but thanks a lot for having me. You're a hero for me, brother. Thanks for listening to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. Our producer is Joe Lord. If you have a question you'd like to send us, go to our webpage, louisvilleky.gov slash Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. You can submit your question there. While you're there, you can also listen to previous episodes, and there's information on how to subscribe to the podcast, which we hardly endorse through Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm Graham Shelby, and this is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast.